Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. You know, unless you're wearing Philly red or you're, you're Philly, they don't like you. You know, and I love that. Man, they, they hate you. Welcome to another episode of the Ringers Philly Special. Shield Kapadia here. Fun show tonight. I was going to say today, tonight. We've got Alex Coffey from the Inquirer, a return guest. He's here to talk Phillies. They take two or three from the San Diego Padres. And then, of course, ace producer Cliff Augustine. We've just been getting a lot of requests about the Jonathan Gannon article that dropped today. They said, we need to get Cliff's take on that. So in the second segment, we will talk about that. But Alex, it looks bright there. I see, I think that sun shining through the window uh, behind you. Another uh, nice day in San Diego and a relatively stress-free Phillies win on uh, Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, You know, they won 5-1. Uh, Wheeler was fantastic. He's kind of rounding into form, um, at the perfect time for them down the stretch, which is funny because at this point last year, he was on the injured list and was resting his, um, right forearm. I think he had like forearm tendonitis and it was all with the idea that he would like be the best version of himself in the last few weeks of the season and in the playoffs. And now the Phillies are getting that version of him like now, (laughs) which is obviously ideal. So, um, so that was a big takeaway from today, but, um, but yeah, a relatively unexciting win, which I didn't know was possible for this team. I I know. I was just thinking about the series. Yeah. The first game of the series, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a stress-free, nice, easy win. And that, that ends up being a nail biter where I'm watching that in the later innings being like, this is going to be the worst loss of the season. What's going on here. Then Tuesday night, full disclosure. I'm too old. I'm not staying up for 940 starts uh, on the East Coast. And I was like, all right, this was a good game to miss. Ain't nothing. They didn't do anything. And then, like you said, Wheeler uh, today. So uh, I was going to ask you for your big takeaways but from this series, but let's start with Wheeler because that has to be uh, among the biggest, just looking at his numbers. His last four starts has allowed a total of four earned runs with 27 strikeouts 
and two walks. And it's really been longer than that. Like his last 11 starts, he's allowed uh, three runs or fewer in 10 of them. So I don't even know like what the question is. This is just like, this is the guy you yeah. trust, right? If you're a Phillies fan, like, all right, we feel, we'll get to the rest of the rotation uh, in a minute here, but uh, you just have to be thrilled if you're Rob Thompson or, or a Phillies fan that, all right, you have one guy you can trust game one playoff series really looks as good uh, as he's looked in a Phillies uniform, right? Yeah, definitely. And who needs more than one guy that you can trust? I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's you, right. You yeah. have one. The two, three overrated. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that. all joking aside, you know, they've really lacked consistency from a lot of their starters, especially over the past few weeks. You know, Nola will give them two good starts and then, you know, have one brutal start. Same thing with Walker. You know, he's had like the velo issues going on and, and Nola is Nola, you know, um, or not Nola, sorry. Um, uh, Lorenzen has been, has not looked like himself since the no hitter. So, um, so they really do need like someone that's consistent, someone that can give them six, seven innings a night. Um, you know, and he's been able to do that for a couple of weeks now and has looked especially good over the past three starts. Um, we talked to him after the game tonight and he said that he made a mechanical adjustment going into his start in, um, Williamsport for the Little League Classic. And he's basically doing like a sidestep thing now that is helping him with his command issues and um, the velo is ticking up and he feels like everything is kind of clicking mechanically. So, um, so yeah, it's all, like I said, it's all happening at like the perfect time for them. And, you know, any time that like a guy can give them six or seven innings with the way that the bullpen has been kind of like leaking oil over the past week has been super helpful for, um, for Thompson. So We'll see how he does over the rest of the month, but it's been good so far. He gave up the one bloop single. If you think if he was carrying the no hitter, would they have uh, let him in and and let him stayed in there and tried to keep it? Or do you think Rob Thompson's like, no, this did not work out well for me uh, last yeah. time with Lorenzen with the way he's pitched <laughs> yeah. after that? I, I don't know if he, you know you, you had any sense of that or uh, if Thompson mentioned anything about it. Yeah, I think he's a little, I think they're a little spooked now. With the, I mean, it might be just some fluky thing. Um, the Lorenzen stuff is weird because he's throwing, his velocity is there. Like he's throwing really hard. He's like, you know, he feels like his changeup has been good. And that was a pitch that worked really well for him in the no hitter. Um, but the results just aren't there, you know, despite the fact that he's like throwing hard and, you know, and the stuff is good. But, um, but yeah, so, um, so it's kind of been strange. Like, you know, you could point to his innings, um, his innings count so far. He's already thrown like 140 some innings uh, this season, which is like a career high for him. But if it were a fatigue problem, then you would probably see his like velo tick down, which right. is why it's all kind of strange. Um, so he physically feels like great and says like the velo is good. The stuff is good. Body is good. But the results just like aren't there. So that's kind of a weird puzzle that they're going to have to figure out at some yeah, point. Yeah, no, no so. doubt. Yeah, let, yeah. I mean, yeah, let, let, let's talk about that because this is, I know the question among like Phillies fans is just like, what is this rotation going to look like once the playoffs roll around? Like we know, all right, like we said, Wheeler, you feel good about. Where are we with, it, give me like the glass half full and the glass half empty on Aaron Nola. You know, it's like, all right, he's, has the large body of work of being a very good yeah. uh, pitcher. His last start, he sounded pretty defeated. He's given up, what, 30 homers 
in 28 starts. He's not even giving them the innings that he gave them early in the season. Like, is there a, hey, Phillies fans, don't panic take? Like, if if, if mm. I had to give it, it was like, no, he, he's he's going to get it together. He's going to be okay in game two of a playoff series. Do you, Are you even able to, like, muster up the case for that? Or are you kind of like, just probably not going to be pretty? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you just don't know what version of him you're going to get. Um, and I feel like the key is him just not letting guys, not letting too many guys to like get on base and making sure that he's like staying ahead in the count. But if that doesn't happen, it seems like things kind of slip really quickly and spiral really quickly. And, yes. you know, he's a guy that like lives in the zone, like, and that's how he's able to like pitch deep into games. And it's great. You know, he's already pitched 170 innings a season. Like that's so valuable, but it comes at cost you know he's allowing a ton of home runs and he's for whatever reason he's being like penalized more for his mistakes in the zone this season than he has in previous seasons and i don't really know like why that is but um but like you said 30 home runs and that's because he's like pitching more in the zone than other pitchers would so he can pitch like deeper into games so it's kind of you know it's it's something that they've been trying to figure out like how you know um, like how he can pitch better with guys on base, with guys in storing, um, scoring position, um, you know, so he's not like thinking about a base runner trying to steal a base and like not focusing on where he's, you know, hitting a target or whatever, like getting kind of distracted. Um, it's just been like a big adjustment for him this season. I think probably because of like the rule changes, you know, like there's a pitch clock now, um, 20 seconds with runners on. So, um, so I'm, I'm guessing that that has something to do with it um, and like limits on how many times you can like pick off a guy. Um, but it's, yeah, it's been, <laughs> I feel like it's like their white whale right now. <laughs> it's like trying to figure yeah. out Nola's issues with runners on. Um, so I guess if I wanted to give an optimistic take, I would say uh, if he's able to keep, <laughs> to not allow walks and like free passes and keep guys, you know, make sure he's staying ahead in the count and not letting guys reach base super often, then I think he, he would get in like a rhythm. But once he starts doing that, he kind of gets like, yeah. Yeah. You can just see it. I mean, (laughs) the spiral point is one that I think every Phillies fan has noticed. Mm -hmm. Like there's like, well, let's, we'll get to Taiwan Walker in a second, but like Walker has kind of grinded through some of these games where you're like, all right, he doesn't have it. He's not pitching well, but he kind of just battles through and is like trying yeah. to find a way. And when Nola, every time one thing goes wrong, you just watch it and you're like, uh oh, this is like there was that game a couple of weeks ago. I think he was pitching, I want to say, on the Sunday before that Angel series. And just this is like a anecdotal. We were thinking of going to the game. You know, we're like, well, mm-hmm. we're going. We're definitely seeing Otani <laughs> in the next three days as a family. But do we want to go? And, and, and someone was like, well, who is pitching? And it was Nola. The entire Capati family goes, no, like we don't, like nobody wanted to go. And that's weird. Like he's been a very good pitcher. You know, it's not like this is somebody who's guaranteed to give up 10 runs. But I do feel like that's the sense among Phillies fans now where it's just kind of this sense of dread. What have you noticed from him as somebody who has like interviewed him many, many a time or heard him after starts? Where is he, do you think, from like a confidence perspective? Because in addition to, hey, we, you know, the team kind of really needs you down the stretch and in the playoffs. He's obviously got the contract situation at the end of the year. Are you costing yourself money or not with the way yeah. you're pitching? Have you noticed like a change in demeanor, how he answers questions, confidence, or is he always sort of like the 
the same guy? Not really. I mean, he, uh, I think he's definitely frustrated, but I think he's more frustrated because of like the inconsistent results. You know, it's like every time we think that he's hitting, finding something or, you know, improving or hitting a stride or whatever it may be, it seems like he takes a step back. Um, so I think that that's what he's been most frustrated about this season more than anything else is just like the inconsistency. It's a word that he uses in his interviews and post game, like more than any other word is just inconsistent. So, um, so I don't really notice like a change in energy or demeanor or anything like that. Um, he's not like a guy that, uh, like shows a lot of that on the mound, you know, he kind of like takes pride in that. Um, you know, and everyone's different. Like Matt Strom is out there pumping his fist and like screaming into his glove and, <laughs> and the wild Nola, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Noah is kind of the antithesis of that. Um, which is fine, you know, it's like whatever works, but uh but but yeah, so I just think that like part of the problem with him from like the fans' perspective is you you just like don't see him um you just like don't see him battling or you don't see him like affected by what's going on, you know. He's kind of yeah. stoic. So I think that that like feeds into the perception of him in a way. Um, but I haven't noticed anything like in the clubhouse, him being different energy wise. Um, I think that he's just frustrated with the inconsistency. Yeah, he's really, I mean, if you're looking at the ceiling of where this team can go, he's, you know, you could name like three swing, swing players on this team. And he's definitely uh, on that list, depending on what he gives them. Uh, another guy who I think is also on that list has to be, Ranger Suarez, I mean, uh, you know, comes mm-hmm. off the IL, uh, pitched four innings against the Brewers, I thought, uh, looked okay, gave up a couple homers, but struck out five. I sort of, when we're looking at who would pitch a game three, and we've talked about that question uh, on this pod, I'm still leaning towards a Suarez. It's like he's done it before. Yeah. I have faith in him. Uh, I don't know that he's, it's definitely going to work out. He's obviously had sort of an up and down season with the injuries, uh, especially, but he's got to be like a key pitcher for them in the postseason. Cause if you're thinking we don't really know what we're getting from Nola, well, all right, who, who's the game three starter. Do you, do you feel like at this point he's the favorite to kind of land that role? I know we still have uh, a little ways to go and what do you want to sort of see from him here uh, in the final? I guess it's 23 games or so. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, he's a little bit of an unknown right now because he was just coming off of the injured list. I think on September 1st, they activated him. So that start in Milwaukee, uh, I think he was like on a little bit of a leash. He only threw like 75 pitches. So, um, I think just seeing like endurance and like how, how, you know, how he comes along as he like progresses into a game and, um, yeah, I think that that's probably like the biggest thing for them. But the, the nice thing about him is that they can, you know, He's so unflappable that they could use him in a bunch of different roles, like out of the bullpen as a closer, you know, like they could do. <laughs> and he's yeah. so unaffected by everything that like he doesn't care. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's got a great he's got, he's got a great demeanor. Yeah, you, you're right about Nola. Yeah. Nola probably gets dinged as we're watching. We're like, does, you know, and I've seen this with Philadelphia athletes. Not to sound like the old guy, but over the course of my life, and oftentimes I'm defending that person where people are like, this guy doesn't feel any emotion. He doesn't have a pulse. I'm like, well, some people are wired differently. Like, that's okay. Yeah. It's, you know, we don't know what's going on inside. Some people don't like um, to show it, but uh, I do feel like mm-hmm. the fans tend to gravitate towards the person who's showing emotion, looking upset, 
uh, one way or another. Alec Bohm, the other, uh, you know, the yeah. other game when he made the error, it was like, all right, you could see right away this guy is just so upset with himself, and that resonates uh, with fans. But every athlete's different, so yeah, Ranger has the yeah. nice demeanor where you're just like, I don't know if he's gonna pitch well, but like the moment's <laughs> not gonna be too big for him, uh, and you just kind of trust him uh, out there. Uh, I have a couple others yeah. I want to ask you about. Let's take a quick break. Uh, mm -hmm. We'll come right back. I have some other questions about the state of the rotation. And then I have a ridiculous question uh, about covering the away manager uh, just from watching Rob Thompson's uh, press conference. The NFL is back and the best place to celebrate is on FanDuel because right now all customers can get a no sweat bet for week one. Just place a bet on any week one NFL game and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. What's one of the games I like? How about the Titans? Plus three at New Orleans. I generally like Mike Vrabel in an underdog role. You can check out all my picks on TheRinger.com or... You can bet on something else, bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Philly and kick off the NFL season with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash Philly. 21 plus and present in select states. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. Let's get to the nonsense, Alex. Usually I get to this earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm watching Rob Thompson's uh, post-game press conference there in San Diego. I've only covered one like away manager's you know, post-game press. It was Frank Robinson. Again, God, I feel old mm. during this podcast. Yeah. It was Frank Robinson. <laughs> it was at Citizen <laughs> Yeah. It was at Citizens Bank Park, at least. It wasn't at the vet. I'm not that old. Uh, but I was watching Rob Thompson today. Like, that's just like a, a small, like intimate setting, right? He's in this small office. And I was most intrigued by the snacks. I saw a little mini fridge mm. there. I think I saw some sun chips. Some Miller mm. Light, some Sprite. Like, what is that <laughs> setup like? Do you have any insight uh, on the snacks mm. at these at these uh, different clubhouses? I don't. Um, <laughs> I, they are. It is a little bit cramped in there. I will say. Um, so we're all kind of like cramped in this little room, and there's obviously like a camera, and like you know, so it's a little bit of a tight <laughs> squeeze. But so like, um, how many reporters are there for a press conference like like tonight? You know, on the road, um, San Diego, uh, tonight, series finale. I think it's like five or six plus like a PR person because sometimes okay. um, like the local reporters, like AP guys or something, will like come over from the other side. Um, so yeah, it kind of varies based on like the traveling party that we have with us. But I think generally they try to make sure that like snacks and beer are like out of the shot. So it's funny that you <laughs> do that. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Miller, Rob, help yourself to a Miller Light. Yeah, after the game. <laughs> I don't know if you realize like he got like a call from his wife in the post game like while he was like talking to us. Was that captured on um, the sound? It was the sound was on, right? I did hear. So I actually looked yeah. around. I'm like, is that a phone in my house or is that happening uh, <laughs> on the TV? Okay, that that was his wife 
uh, calling him there. Yeah, that that setting is different than I feel like a lot of uh, sports where it's just like, all right, you're only five or six people in this small office. He's at this like little desk. So that was uh, cracking me up a little bit. All right. Yeah. The other, yeah. the other, the other starting pitchers here. Uh, you you touched mm-hmm. on Lorenzen. So uh, you think health wise, he's okay. It's just sort of a weird. I mean, he was on a really hot stretch. So maybe this is just like a little bit uh, of regression. Um, what are kind of your expectations for him the rest of the season, and potentially what kind of role he could have in the playoffs? Yeah, um, I do believe him when he says that he feels great. I don't think he would say it that emphatically if he didn't. Um, you know, and the Phillies like monitor all this stuff and they're making sure that like their mechanics are good and their velos, like, I don't know, they, they monitor all, they monitor all these like little things that are too small for us to like notice so they can tell if someone's like injured or fatigued or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, I don't think that that's what's going on. I do think that it's notable though, because he is like kind of in the great unknown. He's never thrown this many innings in his career and he's been doing this for, I think like nine seasons now. So. Um, so there's a chance, like, I mean, we just don't know what impact that has, you know, on him as a pitcher. So, um, so it could be having like some impact, but it might not necessarily be fatigue. I don't really know. It's kind of, you can tell like talking to him that he's, um, not just frustrated, but like searching for answers. And he doesn't really know why we're seeing the results that we're seeing again, because the velocity is there. Um, so, so yeah, it's hard, you know, given that it's hard to know what to expect down the stretch here. Uh, the Phillies have been talking about Peggy backing him with Christopher Sanchez based on, um, what the opposing team's lineup is on a given day. So that's something that we could see, um, you know, and I think the thought with that is just like, he's thrown a lot of innings and maybe that would help and make him a little bit more sharp. Uh, but they haven't like firmly committed to that yet. So I think it's still, still kind of up in the air. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you. Could, I mean, the frustration is like palpable. <laughs> He's, you know, and it's, it's, it must be weird from a competitor standpoint because you have like, you've achieved this thing that, um, you know, you wanted to achieve for your entire career and it's a highlight and you're sending, uh, you know, your cleats to the hall of fame and it's like a total high. And then you wait, you know, take nine days of rest and then, you know, have a terrible start in your next start. And I think he only like last like three innings or something like that. Um, you know, and from there, um, hasn't really been able to like get back to where he was because he was like one of the best pitchers in baseball when the Phillies acquired him. Like they, it seemed like they were acquiring him at the perfect time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough one to kind of like understand, I think for everyone involved, including him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was on that role. Like when they got him, there were all the stats yeah. about whatever the last, however many starts he had been great. And then his first two mm-hmm. starts with the Phillies uh, are phenomenal. So I, th- that makes sense. That That's a uh, good insight. That's something to watch. Do they kind of give him more of a break here in the, in the final yeah. uh, 23 games? See if that's something that can help him or not. Do you find out when he was interviewed, like the first time on TV, when they first traded for him, I'm like, this guy seems weirdly normal for a starting pitcher. Like, I, I don't know, <laughs> you you could offer more insight uh, than I can, but that was just from watching. I'm like, all right, most starting pitchers seem like complete weirdos. Guy seems like a normal person <laughs> who could like be your neighbor. Have, has that been your impression from uh, interactions with him? Or am I, are you like, Sheila, you didn't know this guy's, this guy's yeah. just as weird uh, as the others. 
Yeah, no, he, uh, he's like very down to earth, very friendly. Um, he already knew a ton of people on the team, like before he, um, was traded to the Phillies. So it just became like a really natural, that made it like a really natural transition for him. Um, it's funny cause he's like friends with a lot of the weirdos. Like he was already friends with a lot of like, like Brandon Marsh was like one of his <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, I don't know, <laughs> but he's like, he's kind of like the, uh, I feel like he's like a calming, like mature presence over those people, you know? So, um, <laughs> like balances everything out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, no doubt. Uh, the final starting pitching question. So Taiwan Walker. Christopher Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez didn't pitch well in his last start, but overall has been like a player who's kind of saved them uh, this year yeah. when you just look at the full body of work. And then uh, Taiwan Walker, I was mentioning earlier, it seems like every start is the same where he's just like laboring through five, six innings where you're like, he doesn't have it. Oh my gosh, his pitch count's already at what? 94? I know. And it's the fifth inning. And then he's got 15 wins, which we obviously know uh, is very strange. But uh, <laughs> what is your, what are, what's your take on those two guys, what to look for down the stretch, yeah. uh, what what their roles might be again in the playoff. Yeah, I mean, the Taiwan Walker stuff it has to be like the most Phillies thing ever. It's like making things as the most difficult as as, as difficult as they possibly can, but then figuring it out. Like <laughs> um, with him, you know, it's it's like making sure he's got his walks under control. Um, he's gotten bit in the first inning a lot recently. Yeah. So um, making sure that he's not like starting off on the wrong foot um, and setting a bad tone for the rest of the game. So he doesn't have to like, it doesn't have to be this like uphill battle for, for the rest of his start. Um, and then the velocity stuff, you know, making sure it's like keeping an eye on, um, on where that's at and making sure it's like where it should be. Cause it, there was a stretch a couple weeks ago where it was dipping to like career lows for him. Um, so that would be the biggest thing to watch with Walker. And then um, Sanchez, um, you know, like you said, he's been really consistent for them. Um, has done a really good job of like keeping his walks down, which was big. That was something that was basically going to determine whether or not he's stuck at the big league level or not. It was like his ability to throw more strikes and keep his walks down and, as long as he's doing that, you know, he's got a great changeup. I'd say, like, one of the best in the sport. Um, he's got, like, the weapons to uh, keep hitters off balance. It's just a matter of making sure he's not uh, giving away free passes. So, um, so I'd say that's, like, the biggest thing with him. Yeah, 12 of his 14 starts, he's allowed three runs or fewer. Yeah. Remember all those stats about the fifth starter and their record with the fifth starter? Like, he kind of really came in uh, and gave them a big boost as they got there. Uh, season turned around. All right, couple more yeah. for you. Let's move to the bullpen. What, where are we with this? What's our? Are we panicked? Are we feeling good? I'm like, you know, I go back and forth kind of every night. Sir Anthony feels like he's showing some signs yeah. of life after what has yeah. been a very rocky season. Kimbrel, I come into the season no expectations. Then I'm like, oh, he's pretty good. Now I'm like, is he going to be able to last? You know, he's thrown 59 innings. Uh, I think he was at 60. Last season, I looked at, he was at 59 mm -hmm. and two thirds the year before and the previous two seasons, he like barely pitched and he's 35 years old. And now it's like, well, it'll last the next three weeks and then hopefully uh, a playoff <laughs> run. So Alvarado's back. I just don't know what to, what to make uh, of this group. Give me your mm -hmm. kind of state of the bullpen here for the Phillies after this road trip. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's like ironic, right? Because the bullpen and the starting pitching carried them for so long. <laughs> and now it's the offense that's like really Lift, carrying yeah. them over. Yeah, yeah. Which is cruel. And, you know, the sport is cruel, but whatever. We don't have to dwell on that. <laughs> that's not our <laughs> um, problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's not our problem. Um, I would say, uh, I, I would say, first of all, Sir Anthony, um, I do think has looked a lot better. He's kept his walks down. Um, I was in Toronto for that two game set against the Blue Jays a couple weeks ago, and he looked completely dejected after his outing there. I think he allowed two walks, and um, I, I don't remember exactly what he. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was one of his worst outings of the season. And um, and since then, he's been working with their pitching pitching coaches to kind of like work on a different setup, and that's had a really good like a little bit of a mechanical adjustment. Um, that's had a really um, it's helped him a lot in games and shameless plug. I have a story coming on that tomorrow. I don't know when this podcast is airing, but Thursday. <laughs> nice. We'll all yeah. read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's, you know, he's someone that's really important to them because he's a guy that they can use in like high leverage spots and Alvarado is still kind of working his way back to where he was and hasn't looked like he's totally there yet. So, um, so Sir Anthony is, I think, a big piece. You know, Soto has been pretty unpredictable. So I think Sir Anthony is definitely like a big piece to what they're doing down the stretch. Um, and Kimbrell, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seemed like he was defying age there for a while. And it was hard to understand how he was able to <laughs> kind of dig deep and find, you know, this version of himself uh, that I didn't know that he could he could tap into at his age. I think like 35. He, I think he's yeah, 35 now. 35, um, yep. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it seems like he's in his past few outings, he's just been laboring through a little bit more. Um, and I think as a whole, like the bullpen just doesn't feel as it's like allowing more walks. Like it feels a little bit shakier. Obviously you saw what happened on Friday where, um, you know, Walker had a rock or not Friday, sorry, what day is it? Monday, um, where Walker had a, a rocky start and then the bullpen, I think allowed, um, like five walks, three earned runs or something like that to make it interesting, which it should not have been interesting from there. It should have been, you know? Um, So, so yeah, I think the walks are the biggest thing, keeping them down. And, uh, and as long as they can do that, they should be in good shape, but, but it definitely feels shakier than it did a couple months ago. So um, not the best timing. (laughs) It it feels, it feels unsettled, but it also feels like well they still have guys out there who we all yeah trusted in the postseason yeah. last you know it's like well maybe like sometimes bullpens are weird sometimes you get to the playoffs and it looks completely different than it did for two-thirds of the season right like like you're saying sir anthony yeah. i mean his last seven appearances uh zero earned runs and three hits like if that's turned that is huge for that's them big. if alvarado is yeah. is very good the next three weeks um that's different for them as well we got cousin jeff who just you know came out of nowhere i mean yeah uh, he goes out there just starts yelling at batters i don't know what's going on but (laughs) (laughs) but i'm like all right i kind of i didn't think i was gonna go into the season trusting him but i do so uh, i don't know i kind of feel like they need it's either like all right those starters we mentioned earlier a couple of those got to get it together or you got to be able to trust the bullpen i don't you don't necessarily Need both of those things with the way they're hitting, but you kind of need one of those things to feel a little bit more settled, right? When you, uh, before you definitely. go into the postseason, yeah, definitely. And I will say, I think they're in a much better position this year than they were last year. 
from a bullpen standpoint. Like they have, they just have better arms back there and guys that throw harder and are throwing more strikes. So I think, you know, on paper, they're like in a much better position. Um, it's just a matter if they can like keep the walks down, down the stretch. Um, but yeah, yeah. Cousin Jeff helps too. I mean, he's kind of like this here's Bilotti. He kind of came out of nowhere and he's, yeah. <laughs> he's been super reliable for them. So I wouldn't be shocked if he sees like some, some big high leverage spots, you know, potentially in a playoff run. I wouldn't be shocked by that. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. All right, let, let's finish with this. They're in this weird spot where they have 23 games left. We know they're not mm-hmm. winning the division. We know barring a complete collapse, they're not missing the playoffs. <laughs> they're kind of just locked into either the first wild card or the second wild card. Like, other than just sort of enjoying the ups and downs of a baseball season, like what are kind of the storylines you think going down the stretch here, the final three weeks, are there specific players where you say, hey, I want to see if this person can keep it up. I want to see if this person uh, can get hot. Uh, it, like, 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 what do you have your eyes on here as you cover this team for the rest of September before the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, pitching is going to be a huge one um, just because I feel like once you get to the playoffs, it's it's so much harder for guys to like, you know, like the pitchers are better, the quality of pitching that you're facing is better. So it's going to be really important for them to just like keep mistakes to a minimum and not, you know, so um, all that stuff that we discussed earlier, like keeping the walks down, the bullpen, um, kind of getting a resurgence. Um, I think all that stuff is super important. Um, but from like an offensive standpoint, uh, Schwerber has been great in the leadoff spot, especially lately. I think he has like three home runs there over his last six games. Um which is crazy. And he's inching slowly or quickly towards the 200 mark, which is um, exciting for everyone. Cause I know that that's been a focal point. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so that's something that I'm keeping my eye on. Um, Harper snapped an O for 20 skid. It was like the longest uh, hitless streak of his career today. And he's felt like he's been chasing a lot of balls out of the zone. So, um, you know, obviously he's going to snap out of it because he's Bryce Harper, but, um, but yeah, just like seeing when he snaps out of it and if he's able to like see the ball better in the next game or two. Um, now, so now where do you think he is with the, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but, uh, the reason I love your coverage is because you cover the serious stuff, the baseball stuff, and then you cover the fun (laughs) stuff, uh, as well as anybody. And so I have to Bryce Harper with the, with the no beard, you know, he he Mm -hmm. was what? Oh, for 16. And then went with the no beard, any update, is he gonna, is he going to keep shaving that thing? Did he get the hit you think? And now he's just going to, all right, let it grow back. Because I I was sort of taken aback looking at him, uh, without the beard there. Uh, he he has a nice beard generally. (laughs) Yeah. It looked like, um, it looked like he had some scruff today. That okay. was a very unscientific way of saying <laughs> that he's going to grow the beard back, but I'm not, this is not like a definitive statement. This isn't reporting. Um, all right. This like, this don't aggregate reporting. this. Yeah. Do not yeah, aggregate it. Not this is not reporting. Uh, it's unsourced. <laughs> it's purely speculation. Um, well, a reporter asked him today what the beard is about. And he was, uh, he did not like the question. And he, he was like, he was like, you know, everyone knows. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so that is that. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see if he sticks with it or not. We'll I, he's we'll kind see. of like a superstitious, you know, he's always like fiddling with things like batting gloves, no batting gloves, changing his cleats, and things like that. So yeah. I feel like he's a little bit superstitious. 
Gotcha. Let, let, let's finish with this because I actually meant to ask you about this earlier. I, I've like said, I feel like Harper has had one of the most fascinating seasons I've seen for a Philadelphia athlete when you consider how fast he came back, how much he didn't have the power right away, but he's finding other ways to contribute. But then he goes through mm-hmm. stretches where he looks so frustrated. He looks like he's going to rip someone's head off. Then all of a sudden he finds it. He's on fire. He's like top 10 yeah. in, in OPS. In the majors, what had just kind of take us through, you know, the the journey as someone who's covered him uh, this entire season? What do you think this season has been like for him and, and what has stood out for you? Um, I think just like how he's exceeded all of like, you know, every normal expectation that was expected of him. He's just exceeded it, whether it's like his return from Tommy John surgery or how quickly he's going to be able to play first base or is he going to be able to play first base or, you know, there's so many things going on um, at once. And like, is he going to get his power back? A lot of times when guys come back from Tommy John surgery, they don't like, like position players, they don't um, their power isn't where it like once was. Um, So I think that that's the biggest thing is just like, you know, remind he's been reminding us again and again and again, not to put expectations on him you know, cause we'll just look stupid. So I think that that's the biggest takeaway from this season for yeah. me at least. Yeah, no, you that know. makes sense. He has kind of, ex- even when he was not hitting for power, you're like, all right, well, he's getting on base. We don't expect him to hit for power. And then all of a sudden uh, he's hitting bombs left and right. So we'll see. Yeah. As they said on the broadcast, he has a flair for the dramatic. Uh, there's no doubt yes, about it. So see what he does down the stretch. All right. So we're, we're reading the Sir Anthony story. Tomorrow, uh, what else? <laughs> what else do we have to uh, plug here before we let you go? E, uh, EJ Smith, who I know is a, a friend of yours, he does. He's, he's like, listen, you don't have to read; just click. If you just click and subscribe, <laughs> so I don't know if you want to go all in with like an EJ Smith promo. We of course love EJ, but uh, anything else you want to promote here uh, with your coverage? That's terrible that he's promoting. It. <laughs> he's like, I don't care if you, I don't care if you read it or not. This is why journalism. I think he is said something EJ. like that. Yeah, yeah. EJ, I hope I didn't put words in his mouth. I don't know. Sorry if I did. It was something like that. Um, I would. Uh, I'll just plug my handles because I don't know. You know, everything changes and stories are up in the air. So, um, so uh, um, you can find me on Twitter at by Alex Coffee, and that's coffee with a Y. And then, um, you know, on inquire.com and I should be under like the Phillies tab. I don't know what my URL is. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, good. Yeah. We, we'll find it. We, you got to be reading Alex Coffee uh, in the Inquirer, <laughs> following her uh, on Twitter. Like I said, not only the good baseball stuff that we're interested in, but the fun stuff. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. a fan of the Phillies. So that stuff, uh, <laughs> it's always very fun to see on her timeline. Alex, thank you for joining us and hopefully we can have you back on again soon. Thanks, Shell. Good to be on. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little Johnny Gans with Cliff. Welcome back to the Ringers Philly special. Thanks again to Alex for Joining us, you know, Cliff, we were, I was, this was basically just going to be a Phillies pod, but then this story by my friend, great writer, great reporter, Zach Kiefer uh, of The Athletic, drops this story on your boy, Jonathan Gannon, uh, <laughs> in The Athletic, and people are just hitting us up left and right saying, we need like an emergency pod about this. So I texted you, I'm like, all right, we're going to have to talk about this. This is a wild uh, article. So another edition of Gannon. 
Let's play it. I got the little sounder right here. All right. This is Gannon Watch. Again, shout out to Jerry again, man. That that is a thing of beauty. I can't wait till we add on more uh during the season. We should have just added on more after he had his uh his bus incident there. But there's another video I saw too when he first um got to the facility after he was named the coach and he's shaking yeah. players' hands and he's just like I think he saw um Rondell Moore. Rondell Moore, Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of, out of, pew, uh, pew. Yeah. Pew, pew. Yeah. <laughs> that clip right there, he's like, pew, pew, pew. He's like, just, yeah. just taking off. I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> this is our head coach. Right. Like, Rondell Moore just looking at him all puzzled, like, with, with like five heads. <laughs> like, what is going on here? But yeah, man, Gan- Johnny Gans is back at it. The fans spoke. They want to hear more about this. I got a few text messages about this. And uh, yeah, she'll. So so explain uh, to us Zach Kiefer's piece here. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't even know where to start. Zach Kiefer uh, interviewed <laughs> Jonathan Gannon. I think they had uh, joint practices with the Vikings. So I think he went to Minnesota, interviewed him there, a, a wide-ranging interview. I would say an interview where, you know, Zach Kiefer is a great writer, but he actually, I feel like, did not have to flex those writing muscles for yeah. this piece. It's kind great of a piece. great lesson for the young, the young journalists out there is that if the subject is going to, you know, do a lot of the work, then don't overwrite it. Just let them, uh, let them do the work here. And I thought that's what happened. So I had, you know, everyone should go read the piece on the athletic for sure. I have a few passages. Uh, I kind of cut out here that stood out to me, same, but same. more importantly, I mean, you're, you're, you're the Gannon, you know, this is your segment. So uh, give me like one thing that stood out to you. From reading this piece so i sent myself four of them right after i read this piece twice i had to I had to go back and just like look at the lunacy the just how ludicrous this guy is how in just insane he is right so the very first one let me see if me and you have the same ones the very first one is i'm the reason we lost the super bowl he says mimicking the criticism did that one stand out to you? That is, uh, that's absolutely on there. Let me get to it here. I, I didn't okay. order them in level of how ridiculous I thought uh, each one <laughs> I was, did, I but did yes, by, that was absolutely one of them. I did it by location in the article, like as the uh, as the piece kept going down and down. Like I just picked up piece by piece by piece of what I thought was just asinine. Yeah, so they're talking about the Super Bowl, and Zach Kiefer writes, um, you know, uh, they're talking about re- recounting some of those plays. And start with the two that sting the most, a pair of fourth-quarter coverage busts that earned him a healthy amount of blame back in Philly. I'm the reason we lost the Super Bowl, Gannon says, mimicking the criticism. I mean, <laughs> yep. that's just the beginning. Exactly. Should I go on here? Yeah. So, me and, you, so, so me and you have the right. first one. Like, that was the first one that stood out to both, uh, to both of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that is a big one. If Eagles fans remember, you know, that there were two plays in the red zone where the the Chiefs ran motions and the Eagles did not have a defender like in the same area code as the receivers who caught the touchdowns. As I said, I think in the Super Bowl pod, you will not in the NFL find wide receivers in the red zone more wide open than you did on those two plays. So he Gannon says of the Kadarius Tony one, he says, quote, uh, should be dead. Yes, uh, you yes. Know, the Eagles should have covered it. He said, we should have been fine, Gannon says. Defended that play all year. <laughs> uh, first of all, no, you did not. <laughs> right. There are clips. There were clips that night of a play that the Jacksonville Jaguars used against the Eagles in the regular season where they did not cover that well. 
Chiefs use the same thing and they score a touchdown there. First of all, even if that is the case, you're really going to throw your players That's under the I'm bus saying. like that after they made your butt look good They got you a head coaching job and now you're saying should have been covered? I mean, get out of here with that. <laughs> So absurd. then the next one, the absurd, the, then the touchdown to Sky Moore, which looked uh, very similar. The yes. second one is on the call, truthfully, Gannon yes. says, shouldering the blame. That's a tough pass. Like if I was the defensive backs coach, we probably would have busted that too. That's how I always kind of think, you know, if I was coaching it, would we be okay? Probably not. So in a Super Bowl Cliff, that <laughs> right. was one of the worst defensive performances. Let me remind you on some of the numbers here. Uh, the Chiefs, let's get to some of the advanced stats. The Chiefs' performance was tied for the sixth best offensive performance of any team in the entire season last year based on success rate. That's out of a sample of 568. It was sixth best. It was the Chiefs' best game all season. So don't tell me, oh, they're playing Mahomes and Reed. Of course you No, even for Mahomes and Reed, that was a that was a horrible defensive performance. And then the last stat, which I've given out a hundred times. The Eagles have played 400 games since 2000. Among that sample, the defensive performance in the Super Bowl ranked 391st in EPA per drive. Crazy. 395th. In success rate. Cliff, Crazy. while you were in high school, middle school, I was covering some horrible <laughs> Eagles teams that had horrible defenses. And guess what? This performance was worse than most of those. Crazy. And so Gannon's not taking any of the blame except None. for, yeah, maybe that one touchdown. You know, maybe that was on the call. All right. Sorry. I got riled up. I stole the whole... Go ahead. All right. Now, the next one got? for me was... This is, this is during the presser, right? In front of Cardinals fans, Gannon alleged that during a news conference last season, the Philadelphia media made it known they wanted him fired for not blitzing enough. <laughs> truth, <laughs> truth told that never came up at a news conference. I regret that, Gannon says flatly. Mistake by me. Like, this dude is just making, not only that, he's making up lies too at the same Li- time. He's so, lying. So that is a lie. So where's the accountability at for, you're going to, you're not going to count for one touchdown, but the other, but yeah, you're the one who's calling the defense. How does that make any sense? Like, where, what, what is, who hires these people? Like, I'm trying to, I, I'm sitting here thinking, Bro, Eric Bieniemy <laughs> just took an OC job with arguably one of the worst just brand franchises in sports. Like, and mind you, this is before the whole Dan, Dan Snyder even sold the team fully to Josh Harris and all the other guys, right? This was directly after the Super Bowl, after he won another Super Bowl with the Chiefs. And yet they ran with Jonathan Gannon for some reason and didn't give him a shot. It makes no sense. Where's his credibility? He doesn't take any accountability for anything. This guy literally said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have been mad about the one play, but not the other. Bro, you called the defense. What do you mean you would have been mad about one and not the other? It's on you. It's all on you. You saw what Gardner Johnson did after the season. When they did you see that quote tweet we had after the season where uh, remind me remind me it was I, bro oh yeah somehow somehow coaches not putting the players not, in you, position he said to you succeed, didn't right? put us in position yeah. to win when I think it was during uh, yeah. Gannon's it, he I had, forgot he had about that of, you're right he had some type of presser and he and Garner Johnson quote tweeted and deleted that's because you didn't have us in position to win so it's like yeah everybody and he's in the secondary clearly he's seeing all these dudes Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony go in motion he's watching them score. Easily in the in the red zone, where first of all your defense should be bundled up. You you don't have to sell with the Chiefs. Like everybody knows that you don't have to sell out with the Chiefs going cover zero. Like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Should you do that? Like this is just no no. Mahomes best quarterback against the blitz in the last 
But you you seen that clip on the quarterback right. show? Mahomes, it, they were in the wrong formation. Mahomes still called it out. He still there called it zero, out. There and zero. There and zero. And then he said it was a Then he said he was like, "Yo, that was a run play originally." And it, he originally in one of the in one of the um like one of those like NFL Network type of docs or whatever yeah. you want to call it. I think it might have been quarterback actually. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, no, maybe. yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah, no, yeah, no, he was in there. And I don't know if it was, a, he definitely, they were in the wrong formation and he recognized we're, they're in cover zero, right away. changed it, and then he signaled and they scored a touchdown. Yeah, no right adjustment away. whatsoever. Just no, no right, disguise. Let me just leave. No, no. Let me meet my man. Let me meet my man. Exactly. No disguise. Anything. Let me just leave yeah. my man on the island. Oh, you're going to do a little fake here, Sky. Sky Moore. By the way, the Chiefs players are like underrated, decent skill players. Like, I'm not going to say anybody's trash in NFL. When you're in NFL, you're you're a good, decent player. You're playing Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Your game is elevated, no matter who you are or what you do. So they do that little rocking and rolling, whatever they were calling it that night. Twice they scored on the same. Pretty much the same play twice, and Gannon yeah. took accountability for just one of them. He said, "Yeah, if I was a DB wow. coach, I would have, I would have probably been like, what are you, what, what is going on with this guy, man? He is. This is an All abomination. Right. Who finds <laughs> these people? How is Arizona right. th- this inept? This is insane. This dude hasn't even named a quarterback yet because he's afraid to let people know whether Josh Dobbs is going to go out there and get killed or Clayton Toon is going to go out there and get killed." Like it doesn't matter. You can, matter of fact, name all three of your quarterback starters and see what happens. I guarantee you, it's going to be the same result for seventeen games. You're going to lose the majority of them, Jonathan. Sorry, you're going to be out. Shield. We said yesterday a year. I said a year and a half. You said under. No, I don't know that he's going to last. I don't think he. I don't know that he's going to be there after this year. We'll see. I could be wrong. Maybe he'll surprise. Maybe, that's how I. That's how and, I feel and, about and it's it. It's funny because. Today, I saw something with Caleb Williams, right? His father came out and said, by the way, this is just insane on his father's part as well, too. He's like, well, if we don't like the options there, then we might just, we got another year of eligibility, which is fine and dandy, right? Yeah. But on one on my side, I'm looking at that like, if the Cardinals get that number one pick, are these dudes really considering going back to school because they don't want to be anywhere near Jonathan Gannon in the Arizona Cardinals franchise? I mean, period? It's a dumpster fire organization. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, it's a bad organization like, uh, for sure. So, and, and they're uh, selling they're selling off pieces. Like half the half the veterans are oh, probably yeah, going to be going basically. Yeah, half the veterans are probably going to be gone by the middle of the season. You saw in the article what uh, Calvin Beecham uh, said about Kyler Murray. He has to grow up. Your star quarterback. Your uh, I don't. How long has um Calvin been in the league for? Do you know off the top of your head? Long, long time, probably yeah. ten years at least. Some, He's at least at forever. least ten. Yeah. He's saying yeah. your quarterback has to grow up. Like that. That is just alarming. And I, listen, I don't blame. It's, it's insane. First of all, to think that if you get if you're in position to get drafted number one, you're going to just say ah nah, I'll skip on thirty six million and I'll just go back to college, take my little nil right. money. I think that's crazy. First of all. But second of all, it just shows you how inept, just bad this Arizona Cardinals franchise has been. Like I have friends I mean, telling me, I have friends telling me today that Detroit, mind you, Detroit had their two greatest players in their franchise quit on them in the middle of their prime. Say that Detroit would be a reasonable destination for someone if they were to somehow fall, lose Jared Goff this season, and come back and uh, get the number one pick, like. Detroit. I've never known Detroit to be good at all. And they've had two of the best. They might have had the best running back ever and the best receiver ever who both quit on their team. Like, I've I've yeah. never heard anyone say, yeah, Detroit would be a better destination than this team. That is crazy to me. 
crazy. I didn't think I I thought Gannon was going to go there and they were going to kind of fly under the radar and not really make any headlines or any news. And it's been the opposite. I mean, this has been a wild, noisy offseason art. A couple other things here. Uh, here's a passage I had written down, Cliff. Let me know if this was one of yours. As the defensive backs coach in Indianapolis and later a coordinator in Philadelphia, he remembers driving home from the team facility plenty of nights pissed as well, I, we have some kid listeners as heck at some of the decisions being made above him. But he wasn't in charge, so he watched, learned, stayed in his lane. Quote, I know why I bit my tongue, Gannon says, because of politics in the building where my seat was. I didn't want to offend somebody, whatever, no more. I don't have to do that now. And it's an it's effing freeing. This is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> what what decisions did you not like? They handed you the best freaking defense, the most talented defense in the NFL. Here's what I'm interested in. When yeah. I read that, listen, Howie Roseman doesn't let stuff go. I'm right. well, I can't wait. I would oh, I wish what I was in the room game? when ha- what week is that game? I don't know. I don't know. I, I forget me, when it is. Let me we'll check the schedule. The schedule here. But if Howie Roseman reads that, oh my gosh, he yes. is going to be livid at that quote. Like, what are you even uh, talking about here? So that was another one that stood out to me for sure. I'm really curious. I hope that the uh, December you know, the, 31st, the writers, December 31st, yeah. New Year's Eve, it's going to be a party at the link. The beat writers are going to ask. I, I feel like they're going to get, this is going to be the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, I think they're going to ask um, Eagles people, Eagles players about some of this stuff uh, when they get down there this week to talk about uh, the Patriots game because this this is interesting. This uh, keeps going and going. Here's another one. Cliff, how about his quotes on Nick Sirianni? Nick Sirianni, he's got a, he's not a, like a, he's, he's not an even-tempered guy. He's got to be livid about some of this. Here's another one uh, I had. So, uh, okay, Nick Sirianni's first season, obviously, uh, things don't start out well. Eagles are two and five. Uh, Sirianni stormed into a meeting, venting about how he wasn't sure he could call the offense and manage the game how he needed to. So give the play calling to Shane, Gannon suggested, referring to offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. Do we believe this? I mean, this is something I want Nick on the record about this. Gannon was the one who advised him who told him to give the play calling to Shane Steichen? That would surprise me. I don't know that it's not true, but given Gannon's history, that would surprise me if that were true. I, th- I think that's like more because, so, I mean, at the end of the day, right, these two dudes are tight, right? Like that's not, you don't just hire a guy as your DC if you're not somewhat cool with him unless it's yeah, like they a coach together. Right. Yeah. Unless it's like a cowboy situation where, you know, Jerry Jones could, you know, Hey, I'm hiring this guy. I don't care who you want on your staff. This is my guy, and I'm bringing him in. Y'all just gonna have to work together. I'm assuming these guys are have somewhat of a good relationship, a great working relationship, maybe a friendship beyond whatever this is, because they did work in Indy together as well too, um, under under uh, Frank Reich. Um, I, honestly, that didn't really. So you think that one can be true? You think that be, one might yeah, be true? That, I don't think that's true. You don't. Th- well, you've been near. Sirianni more than I've ever been. So, could you explain to the people like personality wise? Is that something that would just rub him the wrong way? For one, for that information to get out there, and two, no, would I he mean, relinquish I mean, play calling duties? All, like, would he ask people to, that should he relinquish play calling duties? And would Jonathan Gannon have the gall to tell him like, yeah, go ahead, just just pass it off to Shane. Like he's the OC. See what he can do. Uh, like, do you think any honestly, of that can be true? When- 
I, listen, it can, it could p- p- possibly be true. Okay, but given Gannon's history and the other stuff we're reading here, I'm not going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I do want Sirianni <laughs> to be asked this. Honestly, yeah. I can't wait. I want him to be asked this and to go on the record. When Sirianni did give up play calling duties to uh, Steichen, I sort of had assumed that either it was himself deciding or mm-hmm. it came from higher from up, upstairs, like yeah. a Howie Roseman or a Jeffrey Lurie saying, <laughs> just something you might want to think about. We're not trying to tell you what to do, mm-hmm. but uh, this is a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to hand this off for it to come from the defense. And he says it so nonchalantly. And obviously that's what, you know, that helped turn the Eagles season around and Dyken then did a great job and coached the next season. And now he's taking credit for it a year and a half later. I mean, I don't know. I'll also look at that as like, he's big up in Steichen and kind of, uh, taking Sirianni down a notch, even though he did say he was like maniacal in the way he wants his game plans and all his Nobody's stuff. Nobody's quote on Sirianni was wild. Yeah. He said, truth, you're right. He said that eventually. Said but the first part of that quote, truthfully, Nick was way better as a head coach than I thought he'd be. Yeah. Uh, what? Like, that's, just that's such a weird you, quote. What? You thought he was the guy you were going to work for? You thought he was going to suck? Right. That I means, mean, what is that? That means you didn't really believe in your homie as much as. as you much didn't as, believe you know, in him. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, if if I'm Sirianni, I'm kind of looking at him sideways, like, bro, like, what are you, what are you doing? I don't think necessarily that one piece of the the offensive play calling duty is like, hey, like, yo, just pass over the, sh-. like, I don't think that's like really that crazy, but just putting putting all this stuff out in the air, like, I I feel like some of this stuff should be confidential, it's wild. right? Yeah, like, I mean, I don't feel that way. I like hearing about it, and I, as a reporter, <laughs> I'm always gonna say, be honest. So I'm not going to say that now. If I'm Sirianni, yeah. I'm looking at yeah. What, what if I said? What if I said to you, Cliff, after six months of Philly special, you know, you're you're a better producer than I thought you were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what is that? that? Would be, yeah, no, that would be super. super <laughs> you're going to be like you're going to be like what be, the you could be like right. what the hell did you think I was going to be? <laughs> right, you're like you're you're under you're undermining people's talents and abilities, right? And especially the guy crazy who's, who say. was the guy who was your boss and probably a good friend of yours for however many years. Y'all been working together yeah. or been together or, I, you know, I, I don't know. Their Duck up for you publicly. Remember? Yeah. He went on like Angelo. He went on WIP Sirianni yeah. and yeah. just was giving these impassioned defenses of, uh, of Gannon, of Gannon yeah. in the middle of the season. Like, you don't understand. Like, he, I remember he said, I have friends around the league called me up saying like, does Gannon really take heat there? This is one of the best defensive coaches. Like Sirianni did that unprompted. And then you go and you read that. Wait, wait, he th- I'm a better coach than he thought I was going to be. And he's taking credit for me giving up play calling duties. I don't know. That that to me is just somebody you got. That's that to me is a friend that just talks too much, right? Like you ever had a friend that like, yeah, is, yeah. is a good person, but they they leak secrets like crazy, like they're a leaky faucet. Yeah, and they don't really mean to be sometimes, <laughs> but it just happens. Like it seems like this dude's not really doing that, like throwing shit under the bus on purpose. He's just saying these things and not. He doesn't realize like, what he's doing, right? He's not processing yeah. like how he sounds when he's saying these things, and on top of that. Context is everything, so we're not really hearing how these sound when he's talking. Whereas you see it in writing, it just looks kind of crazy. But either way, like yeah. Although this way- is a great reporter, who yeah, like yeah, yeah, that, yeah, you're I- right. Sometimes you do have to look at the source. But yeah. like this, I trust he's laying it out sure. exactly kind of how it's meant to be. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this dude laid out every Zach laid out everything perfectly well for you to have your opinion on Gannon right. and whether he's going to be a, a decent head coach, whether his time and tenure in Philadelphia was either good or bad, whether he, you know, uh took accountability for the Eagles losing the Super Bowl. 
he didn't have any type of sway on how I felt about Gannon because going into it, I already don't like the guy. Like just for his lack of accountability, just for he's what become he did, a huge villain. Processes. Just talking to other Eagles, yeah, fa- confirm- like Eagles fans, friends, and stuff. Confirming yeah. he lied about um, being interviewed for the for the um, Arizona job after the championship game as well. I did think a lot of that stuff did kind of make Sirianni look a little bit just like weird and and just they really may not be yeah. as tight as we thought, or maybe he's Gannon is just like f it. I'm gonna just let my you know stuff hang because I got the head coaching job now and nobody can tell me anything basically. <laughs> yeah. That's how I, feel. I don't know. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad that yeah, good job by Zach keeper it was not yeah. boring. Uh, it was, it was more interesting than anything I heard Gannon say in two years in Philadelphia. I mean, he never <laughs> said anything sure. like this. That's for uh, sure. Maybe cause he was defensive coordinator, but don't, don't uh, yeah, everyone go check do, that out. The only thing I saw him say interesting in Philly was when somebody drove past him. Uh, outside of in the car, outside, yeah, in the car outside of the league. Let's gut. We're gonna gut these boys. Yeah, we're or gonna something. gut, them. right? Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna gut these guys. <laughs> that was the only interesting <laughs> he said his whole time here in Philly. Other than that, like, good goodbye, good riddance, man. Like, good best. I'm not even wishing the best. Of luck. I was about to wish him best of luck, but I think it's yeah. this is about to go down and get real ugly this season. Three and a half is his total on Arizona. It Three was. I don't know if it went up to four and a half. It, it was four, four and, and a half, half, and then I think it moved down to. Three and a half, but uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite unders on extra point taken. Who knows? Listen, maybe we we've been wrong before, but th- listen, this is the gift that keeps on giving. Honestly, because uh, again, I did not think we were going to get this. I thought, all right, we'll have fun with Gannon. Wash the team's going to be bad, but I didn't think stuff like like stuff is dropping on him every week. Every week, Cliff. Every listen, there's yeah. video clips. There's this. There's <laughs> stories. There's quotes. It's wild. So yeah, I think we're going to have another installment of this. Maybe who knows Sunday night after Eagles Patriots because I do feel like. Sirianni, other people are probably going to be asked about some of these quotes uh, this week when the media gets down there. So those of you who, who who demanded that we do a Gannon and Watch segment, there you go. We listened to the people. We listened to the listeners. We gave it to you. Uh, Cliff, I think we got nothing else to, to add there uh, until until next time. So, yeah. No, no, sure. You got you know one more thing? Oh, you got, mention, you got you know one more thing? Mentioned, um, yeah. You know how I mentioned the Commanders? It's funny. The Cardinals actually opened their season against the Commanders in Washington. Seven-point underdogs. Yeah. Crazy. Damn. To Sam what? Howell. They're seven-point underdogs to Sam Howell, a guy who we have no idea what he's going to be. Fifth-round pick. None. <laughs> Started None. for the first time, and he's a seven-point favorite against the, this Cardinals team. And Joshua Dobbs is going to be their starter. Yeah, Gannon had a press conference. He wouldn't name the starter. And then I think five minutes later, Adam Schefter broke the news that Joshua Dobbs is starting. So <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going got on. Two starters. Clayton two might come in on the ne- on the, uh, the second drive. Like, who knows? Yeah. Either way they're doomed. Maybe the alternate. <laughs> yeah, the alternate All right. alternate drive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you to Cliff. Another wonderful segment of Gannon Watch. Thank you to Alex Coffey uh, of the Inquirer. We'll see what happens the rest of the week if there's reason to jump back on. If not, you will definitely hear me and Benny Souls on Sunday night after Eagles Patriots. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening. Have a great week, and we'll talk the to you soon. The season is here, folks.
must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call one 800 522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 